Today, we're going to talk about the last phrase in Psalm 23, which is, uh, well, why don't I read that real quick? Because just to kind of put that around the context for us, I'll read from this card that we received if you want to look along with me. But I'll read the whole psalm and then we'll look at this last phrase together and see how it connects to the story of the resurrection. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we're going to meditate for a few minutes on this idea of dwelling in the house of the Lord and connect. I'd like to invite us to connect that to this idea of Christ's resurrection. And we're going to do it through this, the lens of just one word, which is home. We're going to talk about what it means to come home today. Um, and to frame that idea for you, I just want to tell you a little personal story. Uh, those that worship in our community on a regular basis know I've told stories from my time in Kenya. I lived in Kenya, uh, which is Eastern Africa. I lived there for about a year when I was in my mid-20s, just after, well, for me, just after college. It was a few years after college, but went off for a, a year in mission. And for part of the year, I lived in Mathari, which is a slum in Nairobi, the city of Nairobi, which is the capital. And I worked with homeless youth there. I'd been volunteering at New Horizons downtown here and was trying to connect that experience with perhaps a call to be a social worker or eventually a pastor. So I was kind of exploring that. And it was a really amazing few six months there, but it was also really stressful. I was, you know, I was born and raised in Spokane, Washington. I felt like this fish out of water, living in this really densely populated slum settlement, working with kids who'd faced immense, immense challenges that I'd never faced. And so part of the reason I only spent the six months there was just to kind of help understand the experience. So I moved partway through the year, what they say in Kenya is up country. I moved up on the eastern slopes of Mount Kenya to a little town called Chuka. And up there, I got to work in this boy's home. They needed a house parent, but it basically it's uh, not an orphanage, but a home for boys who'd been orphaned. Um, a variety of reasons children are orphaned all over the world, but in Kenya, a lot of those reasons were because of the AIDS and HIV epidemic or internal conflicts, uh, parents are killed in a war or something like that, and a lot of times traffic accidents. In the developing world, this is a really common um, experience. People uh, face traffic. There just seems to be no traffic laws. <laughs> like, we live in a unique setting here. So uh, a lot of these kids uh, lost their parents in, like, a bus accident or something like that. And so I was invited to live in this house with these boys and basically just be their house parent, you know, help them do their laundry, make their dinner, do their homework. Uh, I could tell you so many great stories around that. One thing I learned while there, though, that was really surprising to me is though we had uh, what I would call a home, a boy's home, it was not home for these boys. Um, a lot of them had faced a lot of trauma, and because they'd lost their parents, they wanted to reconnect with, and if any of you have ever fostered or adopted, you know this, they want to reconnect with their, their story. And so what would happen, this was surprising to me, is, is throughout the year, or the part of the year I was there, some of the boys would run away. They would just leave the house in the middle of the night or flee school. 
And a lot of times they would either go to their home village trying to reconnect with their extended family and find their home, or they'd go off to the city, like the prodigal son story. They'd go off to the big city, Nairobi. And the problem with that is that um, in either of those contexts, they faced, uh, faced some challenges. In, in the city, usually they got wrapped up in some sort of a gang um, and then entered into that life. Or in their, even their village, they would get taken into another home and basically become indentured servants and slaves. Um, and so it was a really hard time to watch some of the boys I worked with uh, lose them. But occasionally during the year, a boy would return. And on one such day, it was actually Father's Day in the year 2000, that um, this boy named Isaac came home. Um, And I happened to be journaling that day, and let me see if I can find the page. I took the picture out. It would be like June, right? This is my journal. So June, June 8th, no. June 5th, nope. Oh, no, I'm sorry, guys. Where did it go? Father's Day 2000. Just talk amongst yourselves real quick. Oh my gosh, I had the picture in there like last, mid-June, June 20th. There it is. Thanks a lot. June 18th. See, wow. Do you know that Father's Day on every year? Pretty much, no. Here we go. So I happen to be journaling and uh, kind of, you know, this is one of my first Father's Day, if not the first Father's Day I'd been away from home and hadn't been around my dad and reflecting on that experience and kind of being a father in some ways. And then uh, I wrote this at 11.35 p.m. In two and a half hours, days have unfolded. A tap came to my door around 9.30 p.m. It was Isaac, a boy I never expected to see again. Came all the way from uh, Embu, near Embu, to see me, which is another little city nearby where I lived. we lived there, and possibly to find out if he could come home. I wonder if he realized his, uh, rehearsed his speech on the way, what brought him. And on today of all days, under the veil of night, I'm supposed to be in Embu, but uh, God's hand pulled me out of going there, uh, withheld me from uh, getting on a bus, and, and gave me second thoughts, and so I could welcome Isaac home, as he does me, as his, as his, uh, his son. Um, also, this boy, while with no family, um, could become a son. My son, God's son. How divine. I'm in bliss. Our words are sparse. We don't get much of each other's language, but rarely has the spoken word been less necessary. Uh, I say to him, you've made me very glad, Isaac. And I point to that spot on my chest where my, my fluttering soul resides. And then he says to me, I am also very glad. And I cry hesitantly, but I cry nonetheless. I rub his head affectionately. I tuck him into his bed. I pray for him just as a father to a son. And I say, welcome home, Isaac. And I tell you that story because uh, in that moment, I started to realize, you know, he ran away. I thought this was home and, and came back. That home, I mean, what is a home? It's not a, it's not a boy's home. It's not the shelter we had over his head. It's not a house. I mean, it is in, in to a degree, but I think we'd all agree, like you could build a house in the middle of a desert somewhere, with nobody around you, which might be a version of hell or heaven to you, who knows? And that's not home. I mean, that's not home. You may be, that's maybe the home you always look for, but that's not home. Uh, If you've been orphaned like Isaac, you know, the house you're living in isn't necessarily the home, necessarily. It's not just the roof over your head. That's not home, right? You with me? 
So home's more than geography. It's more than where you happen to be living at the time. It's more than where your heart dreams to settle down someday. Home's a place, but it's a, very, it's a place with very special attributes um, that make it distinguishable from all other places in your life. It's the place you belong. That's what I'd say. It's a place where you're totally accepted. It's a place where you can be yourself. It's the place where all the sights and sounds and smells and the colors fit. I mean, imagine when you think of home, it's an open door. It's unlocked. You can walk right in. And there's maybe the light of a fire or warm lights in there where you're expected. You know, you think of your mom and dad. You're expected. Supper's ready for you. You walk in. You smell the foods. They, you love, you can smell the food you love because they've been thinking about you coming home. It's delicious. Everyone knows your name. <laughs> Just like that bar cheers. And they rise up at your arrival and they greet you with joy. And then, here's the thing, you're led over to the table to sit down in your chair because you're home. Uh, Tim Keller has this really amazing little meditation on the prodigal son parable. And, one, and, and he says this in that book, that home exercises a powerful influence over human life, which is why foreign-born Americans spend billions annually to visit the communities from which, in which they were born, and why children who never find a place where they feel like they belong carry an incapacity for attachment throughout their lives. Many of us have fond memories of times, people, and places where we felt like we were truly home, which is why we keep old photos and why we might even visit our childhood home, even though somebody strange to us lives there now. Home's a powerful but elusive concept. And the strong feelings, he says, that surround it reveal some deep longing within us. All of us. doesn't matter if you're a follower of Christ today or not. There's a deep longing within all of us for a place that absolutely fits us, suits us, where we can be or perhaps find our true selves. So it exercises powerful influence over our lives. We, we need a home. Every one of us in this room today needs a place. We need a home. Which is why Jesus says in one of the Gospels somewhere, I think it's John 14, he says to his disciples before he dies, you are going to face incredible suffering in your life. I'm going to die and you're going to still suffer. <laughs> Welcome to Christianity. And then he says, but I have the solution. Don't worry about it. I've overcome the, tr- I have that which overcomes the troubles. And we think right there, oh yeah, it's the cross, right? No, he says this, I have a place for you. In my, I'm going home. In my father's house, there's many dwelling rooms. There's many rooms and I'm going to that place to prepare it. I'm going to make the bed. I'm going to set the table. I'm going to get your chair ready. I have a place for you so that you can come home there as well. My death, my resurrection, I'm going to point, that those are pointers toward that home. And I'm going to draw you there like a little beacon. I'm going to keep drawing you there every day, summon you home. That's the point of Easter. That's how Psalm 23, this declaration, I will live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, not just Easter Sunday, all the days of my life, and the idea of the resurrection connect. It's this idea that God is inviting us as God's people to possess a deep and unshakable confidence in this idea, in this reality that God will do what God said he would do. Prepare a place for us, which is our home. And we need a home. We, need, we all need some, a home. We all need it. And he's, he's beckoning each of us there with his love. And so the question, I guess on the table for all of us this morning, Easter Sunday, 2018, is this. Are you longing for home? Some of you are going to go to the home which you were raised in today and be with your parents. And it's going to feel hard. 
Some of you are going to go to your own home. You're going to wish there was more people there. You know, you're just kind of around and you don't feel like you're connected. Uh, You're in a new city or whatever. Are you longing for home? You know what I'm talking about? Not just the house, but the home. There's this book uh, by a guy named Frederick Buechner, one of my other, so Tim Keller, Frederick Buechner, one of my other favorite authors, Christian authors, and it's called The Longing for Home. It's like a little spiritual biography. And I, I want to muse on that idea of longing for a moment because it's really interesting what he says here. He says the word longing comes from the same root as the word long in the sense of length in either time or space, but also the word belong, so that in its full richness, to long suggests to yearn for a long time for something that's a long way off and yet something that we feel like we belong to and belongs to us. Us. Let me say that one again because it's a lot of different words. To long suggests to yearn for a long time, for something that's a long way off. The resurrection feels like a long way off, like I'm out of touch with that. It's a long way off, yet something we, be- we feel like we belong to. It feels like there's something in it for me, and it belongs to us. It's our story as well. In fact, he says the longing for home is so universal a form of longing, there's even a special word for it in our language, which is, of course, homesickness. Are you homesick today? Longing for home. Longing for a life that, is, that resonates with the life of Christ, that is filled with hope and joy and peace. Easter is really about experiencing that longing. That's what it's about. It, the scriptures arouse that longing within us. You know, he's risen. He's risen indeed. It, we're meant to be aroused to the longing for home experience that home deep, that longing deeply, and then express it, commit to taking just the next step. We don't need to get to heaven today, friends. That's not the goal. Jesus says, take the next step. You're longing for home? Take the next step there. It's a journey. Just take the next step. So I want to speak to, if you're longing for home at all, I want to speak to just a few possible groups of people in the room this morning. So there's some of us, and I recognize you, but you've been around the church for a while. You've been in this church, or you've I can recognize you because, you know, it's like we have a little sign, I, you know, I go to church. And yet you don't feel like you belong here. You know, I, we did the greet and like you kind of were like, oh, nobody talked to me. And you don't, you feel alone inside the church. I don't know if that's you, but I've, I've, I've experienced that. Or you look around at all these really good people here and you, you think to yourself, man, if they knew me, they would probably run. You know, if they... I don't belong here, like where I've been, what I've done, what I'm doing, what I'm involved in. It's, it's beyond the pale. I don't belong here, you know. Or there's some of you, or us, I should say, I put myself as your pastor in this. We visit church a couple times a year, uh, but we don't feel like we belong here either. Like Christianity just really hasn't presented a compelling enough vision for life for us, you know. It's a good story, but like you've allowed yourself to get busy with work, raising a family, kind of swept up in activities and commitments. And you, this, and you have this sense of shame and guilt around that. You're like, have I done it? Am I doing enough? You know, you know this, and you wonder if you belong here. Like, if somehow you're disqualified from the story of God and the people of God. Like, it, if this religion is just that, it's just religion. Just got to go to church more. Ah, I don't want to do that. It feels like more burden. And so your heart's not here, and you're just not home. You just wonder if you belong here. And then there's a few of you, and I know some of you, that you were invited today, and you're here out of loyalty. And that's a, actually, I want to just say, that's a good reason to be here. Somebody in your life, this means a lot to them that you're here. And thank you for coming. 
Uh, but you're not sure you're at home either. Like you are considering the story of God, the gospel, the cross, the resurrection, life, death, all that stuff. And you're like, eh, I don't know if that's for me. Like you struggle with belief. Christianity is appealing, but it's kind of like Swiss cheese. Um, just leaves you with like more questions than answers. <laughs> it's like not satisfying. Swiss cheese, not a fan. Uh, or maybe put it this way, it's like a piece of art in a museum. It's interesting, it's curious, but you're not sure it has any relevance outside these four walls. Any practical relevance in your life. So you don't know if you belong either. And there's probably other people here as well that are wondering if you belong, if you fit, if this is really a place for you. And let me just say the, tru- the truth. All of us, your pastor, all of us, struggle with belonging. Right here, we do. Uh, do I belong? If people knew me, my story. Would they want to be here next week? I don't know. Do I belong? And so the question for us here is we're wrestling with this desire to belong, but also all these kind of challenges in belonging is what do we do if we find ourselves in one of those groups? Like, where do we go? What do we do? Well, uh, recently my family started doing the, the catechism. How many of you did the catechism growing up? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you were raised Lutheran. Or, um, this one's called the New City Catechism. Keith, where are you? I just, he recommended, you recommended this to me, I think. And the reason, it's, it's a, it's a 52 questions and answers around faith for young children. The reason we're doing this is uh, a few weeks ago, Elliot, my son who's eight, said to me, hey, I want to get baptized. And I said to him, not, not pastoral moments, so just throw this one away. No, you don't. You just want to go for a swim. So uh, <laughs> my wife's like, maybe reframe that one next time, you know. But it re- reminded me that he's interested in faith. And then I had this book I picked up friend told me about it. And so I brought it out at the dinner table one, one day, and we just started diving into it. So we're just at the first question. And I was like, oh yeah, 52, 52 questions and answers. That's a, a year just going through faith. And maybe in a year, Elliot will be ready to be baptized. That'd be so cool. But I'd rather him know the story first, you know? And so here's the first question, and here's how it connects. Uh, some of you will know this. What is your only hope in life and in death? What's your only hope in life and in death? And of course, the answer is this, that we're not our own, but we we belong, body and soul, life and death, to God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let me say that again. We're not our own, but we belong. Remember what I said about belonging, longing for home. We belong, body and soul, in life and death, to God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're wondering, if you're one of those groups, how do I belong There's your answer. It's that preposition, through. You belong through Jesus. That's the crux of the story of God. We belong uh, through Christ, not through uh, your pedigree, like who you are, not through what you've done or haven't done, not through the charisma of a leader or a church, a more perfect church. If I could just find the right church, you know, none of that. You don't belong through those things. You belong through Christ. There's a great story. It'll be a really strange story to share with you as I close here on Easter because it happened before Easter, just before. Uh, it's a story of, from Luke 23 of the thief on the cross. And remember what he says to Jesus. If you don't know the story, Jesus is uh, dying on the cross. So Good Friday. And he's, it says it's between two thieves. And uh, one of the thieves is, is like everybody else around him, mocking him, shaming him, telling him how much he deserves to die. And yet one thief says to him, while he's facing 
nearing death. He's in, facing the same agony Jesus was. Same shame Jesus was facing. Jesus, his, his, his dying words, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Which you could just put this way, Jesus, uh, I want to go home. Like I want to belong to your family. I'm filled with a longing for home. And I get that now, I get the, I get the gospel. I, I doubt this guy, if I could just read into the story a little bit, was one of Jesus' disciples. <laughs> I doubt he was there when Jesus was healing people and teaching the Beatitudes. He was probably at the bar or robbing a store or doing something. He's illegal. He, he's there for a reason. And yet he says, Jesus, I get the gospel. It's belonging through you. And I want to be part of your family. There's nothing this world has for me anymore. This world's not my home. And you remember what Jesus says to him? <laughs> In Luke 23, 43, Jesus says, well, surely, surely, it's not a question for him. Well, maybe we'll talk about it later after this is all over. You know, you and me will have coffee. He says, surely today you're going to be with me in paradise. In other words, he says, the essence of the gospel is it's finished. There's nothing you or him or any of us can do that will make God love you more. Nothing. Stop trying. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And if you connect with the thief, there's nothing you've done that could make God love you less. Nothing you've thought, know where you've been, nothing. Jesus declares that surely today you'll be with me in paradise, which is home. I've created a space for you of belonging, and it's through him. That's the only, Christ's life, death, resurrection are the only conditions under which we should ever understand what it means to belong. That's it. As the, the preacher uh, George Buttrick says that uh, home is where Christ is. Are you longing for home? Are you homesick? Are you desiring to belong to God and God's story and God's people and where you can experience the unconditional love of God, acceptance, and uh, where there's hope in the midst of kind of a hopeless existence or joy in seasons that seem kind of dreary and joyless or peace, you know, you're experiencing chaos. You want peace to surround your heart and your mind and protect you from the lies of the enemy. Jesus says, through me, through me, that's it. That's, that's where you get the confidence that David had in Psalm 23, 6, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life because I know it's through Christ. I've been, I've been given a means by which to do that. So do you want to belong? I've asked that question I don't know how many times yet. If you want to home, come home to Christ today, um, it's through Christ that you belong. And let me just give you some handles for that if you're wondering. You come home to Christ through friendship with Christ. It's not rocket science. Friendship with Christ looks, in my life at least, like committing daily to sit down, at least at one point in my day, open to one of the Gospels. I just happen to open to Mark 6 right now, usually with a cup of coffee or you could light a candle, and just like read the story of Jesus every day. Because I want to come home through Christ. And that means friendship with Christ. And this is where I get to know Him. Is that you? Do you just need to open the story a little more? Or maybe through a renewed commitment to this community. You know, you've, you've, you come in, you go out. You come in, you go out. Which is fine. But if you want to come home, God has said, be in fellowship. Develop friendships with people that will point you that direction. Or maybe it's just through prayer. I know I struggle with what prayer is. Here's prayer. <laughs> God, I have longings. 
I have hopes. I have doubts. I'll express those to you. No shame. Just talking to God, having conversation with God like you would with somebody you had conversation with a few minutes ago. Just praying to God, asking God for revelation and wisdom. So I've called out a few people in the room, and hopefully I didn't make you feel too squirmish, <laughs> especially if you're visiting today. What I'd love to do is just pray for you. Can I pray for you? Um, I think it's important that as we respond in worship, I want to invite our worship team forward, uh, that we open our lives up to God ministering to us now. I mean, if you want to belong, you came on Easter Sunday looking for just a good, encouraging word, but you, you're leaving kind of going, yeah, I think I do want to connect more deeply personally with God. Um, I want to just pray over you, pray over you. And then we'll respond by singing this song that has been really ministering, uh, I know, to, to us here um, called Reckless Love, which, by the way, some people hear that word reckless, you think God's out of control like a reckless driver. The point of it is that God's more like the father in the story of the prodigal son. He's extravagant. He set a table for you. He's going to dress you in the best robe, and he's inviting you in. He's got a home for you. And that's what it means to sing about that idea that that's God. He wants you home, okay? So let's pray. I want to pray for you. Will you bow your heads? And I'm not going to, by the way, if you don't know me, I'm not going to have you raise your hands and do all that. That's not how I roll, but I'd love to have you pray with your eyes closed and heads bowed. I think that would just be a way to open your hearts up to what God might be saying. Let's pray. God, thank you that we've been able to gather um, today to declare that you're risen from the dead. Thank you that you and you alone thought of doing that and then had the power to accomplish that work, to take on both the sin of the world as well as the death that we all experience, take it into the deepest, darkest pit of hell and leave it there, that you've broken the power death has over us. You've broken the power sin and the enemy and the lies of the world have over us. And you've pointed us toward our true home, which is peace and joy, fellowship with you, the Father, the Spirit. Thank you, God. You've created a context for that. And yet, many of us, God, in this room this morning are experiencing death. We live in the world. Um, And so I pray over our community, my friends here this morning, God, for anyone here today, God, that's uh, not home yet, and none of us really are, God, but is longing deeply for home in you, experience of your peace, of your deep abiding love in our lives, restoration in a relationship in our bodies, God, would you come and dwell in our hearts this morning? Make your home with us, as you say you do. Minister to us. God, where we lack words to pray, as Romans says, would you pray in us? Speak to our hearts, God. Thank you that you've gone ahead of us, God, and you've made a way for us to be in your house for all time. So minister to us now, God, as we respond and sing. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.